Stay golden. Hurricane. Welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. We are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm actually in, uh, I'm traveling uh, this week, so I don't have my standard microphone set up and everything with me, so my, my quality will be a little bit worse uh, for this episode, but Matt still's got the, the full setup going uh, at his house, so uh, that's why if you hear some audio issues, that's what's going on with me. I'm Matt Rectine. And oh man, cardiac canes are back just like we knew they would be. You thought, we all thought after that first half that it, we were Tulsa might run away with it. No, absolutely not. Three straight touchdowns uh, with a missed field goal kind of in between there made sure that NIU Tulsa came down to a one score game just like we all knew it was going to be. Cardiac Canes is right, man. Can't get away from it no matter what you want to do. Uh, it feels like it happens no matter what. And you're right. Like, 17-0 early on, J.C. Santana doing whatever the hell he wants to do out there. Davis Brent throwing it all around. Isaiah Epps gets in the end zone. All of a sudden, it's 24-7 or 24-7 at, at halftime, and it definitely felt you know it felt like T.U. was totally in control of that game. And second half comes around, totally flips that thing on its head, and we all know you know what went down there. But the thing was, when we talked about the game last week with Eddie, the preview, I came away from that interview. I think I said it in the podcast, like. I don't think this is going to be a runaway game for TU. And so I should have remembered my original thought process on why we thought that um, when even when they were up. Because TU's been up many times in the past, early. Uh, you know, usually not in the first quarter. Like, you you know, we're kind of used to slow start TU. But there have been several times where they've been up big and given it away. That's not that infrequent of an occurrence, right? And so... Uh, I got out a little over my skis in terms of like, I mean, it just felt so dominant. It just, they were, they couldn't do any, it was like three straight three and outs for Northern Illinois at the beginning of that game. And we couldn't be stopped. I think we had one point and, uh, or one punt across four drives and the other three drives were touchdowns or something. Um, it was, it was a while, like just, it could not have started off better for TU. And then the second half was just so different. I don't know. I don't know what, what it was adjustment wise that Northern Illinois did that we, didn't account for or if it was something else that maybe we just started coasting uh it didn't seem like that i felt like we were still kind of being aggressive on offense and just just wasn't working uh as well so i don't know what do you what do you think happened in that second half that flipped it around well so it's going to be maybe an answer that's not too surprising looking at tu for the last two years special teams just killed us yeah um like there were just two plays one was the onside kick and like God, we were completely play them, yeah we were completely caught off guard and yeah. so they got that so they got two straight touchdowns um you know to start off the second half which is a huge momentum builder and then like we had a solid drive after that and missed the field goal and so we've got no momentum they're able to score another touchdown and then you know a couple just bad mistakes so you have the muffed punt um, which is a killer, obviously, because we had just made a huge momentum-shifting third-down stop. We're going to get the ball back at the 30. It was going to be good, um, good situation for us. And that immediately just took all that momentum away. Pretty sure they scored like three or four plays later. It was pretty quick. And then the, just the 
the taunting penalty is just such a stupid penalty to take. And so there were things, just individual things, I feel like, where we really just, again, similar to Wyoming, shot ourselves in the foot. Like, okay, muffed punt, like, that sucks. Onside kick, that was just incredibly well pulled off by Northern Illinois. But the taunting penalty is like, you don't need to do that ever. Like, sure, it looks like a weak call, but just don't put yourself in that situation. Because then, you know, we went from they were on fourth down on their own, like, three or two or three or something, to they ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. And so that's another huge momentum killer. And so, like, our offense was still solid in the second half. Like, I'm pretty sure we still outgained them overall. Maybe yeah. maybe not overall. We definitely did in the air. Um, but their running game got um, was much stronger in the second half. And our, ours kind of, like, after being a little bit better than expected, was n- – kind of shut down in the second half. And so the issue was our offense just didn't get enough opportunities early. And yeah. then, man, that's really what I feel like it is. Like, I, man, do you have time of possession or did you look at any of that in the second half at all? Because I feel like we just did not, we're not holding the ball. And that was the no. thing. Like our defense was getting gassed because they were constantly on the field because it would just be a turnover or some bad mistake to keep keep the drive alive and so like I feel like that was a huge part of it is that you know they were just worn down getting towards the end of the game yeah no I agree I don't have the time possession numbers on me right now but like we didn't have the ball for almost the entire third quarter maybe the entire third quarter I remember like I, th- I think we did because I think Zach Long missed a field goal in that third yeah, quarter that was but that- the one drive we had a drive after their second touchdown yeah so like you know that whole third like that onside kick really that that really flipped thing i think that was if you're going to point to one play that really changed things around for northern illinois that was it like they came out in the second half in that first drive of the second half for them 75 yard drive uh six play 75 yards and then that rutkowitz guy scores the second touchdown of the of the season second touchdown of the game and that was his second career touchdown ever. And like he, I think he only he only had like two catches in this entire game. They were both for touchdowns or something like that. Or his first two catches were both touchdowns. And that so that that first drive of the second half for them, obviously good momentum, getting off on the right foot for them. And then they come out and do that onside kick, man. And oh my, I was not ready for that. I don't. Nobody else was ready for that. They weren't lined up that way. Obviously, totally trick play. And man, it just totally had us on our heels. Once they got that ball back, they scored again right off that you know second drive in a row. Um, seven play 54 yard drive for them uh, running back and Terrell Brown ran it in from eight yards out and all of a sudden it's 24 to 21 right we've gone into this half on top of the world dominating them uh, 24 to 7 and then it's 24 to 21 out of nowhere uh, and then we missed the field goal they come out in the was it was the first play of the fourth quarter right where they they scored I think I'm pretty sure it was the first play of the fourth we came back out after a commercial break for me watching on TV and they mm-hmm. they cap off another long drive and all of a sudden they're up 28 to 24 and everything's like what is this chaos is happening and nobody can do anything right and it just kind of got crazier from there like it it wasn't crazy so far in the second half like it was just bad and depressing because NIU was just going and going scoring and scoring whenever they wanted getting the ball back and then after that like the fourth quarter it got weird right weird things started happening in the fourth quarter there was the Stokes muffed punt which sucks oh my god sucks for him that's two kind of Bummer plays in a row, uh, two games in a row from him. He had the the fumble against Wyoming that kind of doomed us a little bit. You know, it's not all on him, but a big play for sure. And then this one here, he muffs the punt. And, like, of all the people 
to muff a punt. Like, Keelan Stokes has been doing this for a long time. I understand he missed the season last year, but, like, that guy is as sure-handed as anybody on this team. Uh, I can't imagine that's going to happen again. And so that really sucks for him. We miss another field – or no. He only missed the one field goal, right, Zach Long? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then there were just a couple, like, fourth down uh, back and forth. Like, we didn't get a fourth down. Then they uh, inexplicably went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. And, and I understand, you know, everybody looks at that fourth down for NIU fans and is like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, why would you do that? Um, I sort of understand the idea. I mean, I guess most people would understand the idea. But it's like, you know, how many timeouts did we have then? I'm pretty sure had they gotten that, it would have, like, closed the game. Game and over, yeah. I'm sure the I, I think it's the smart smart play like from where they're kind of looking from like you're on the road you're the underdog like that is the type of risky play it's the same to me it's similar to going for two uh you know instead of tying the game to avoid overtime like they were yeah. trying to guarantee the win instead of you yeah. know you know control control your destiny right and that's that's probably where the head coach is coming from too but I kept hearing like other people talking about this game after the game uh and everybody was like why would not just niu fans like to you to you media people talking about it and being like i can't believe they gifted us that that fourth down <laughs> like guys it hit him in the hands he could have easily caught this ball and that game over we got lucky that it didn't happen and then obviously you know since it didn't happen now we take over on the 50 and it's an easier drive obviously but like that's not a given i don't know i yeah, it's a, it's a tough no. one. I could see, it, but if you punt the ball, I mean, it's it's tough because then you got to go the whole stretch of the field in like a minute and forty five or however long that was by then. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. So like I was I was talking to Mason about this on the walk back to my house after the game, and so for me, like Mason's our friend. Yeah, Mason's a friend, <laughs> uh, friend of the pod, friend of ours. Um, we okay. So I already said that I liked the call and in my mind, this is what they're thinking is like, all right, Davis Brin, you already know that he can get down the field in a hurry. And so the whole strategy is you got to keep it out of his hands. Mm -hmm. And so like, again, like you were saying, it was only because we got lucky on that play. Like they make that catch game over. We're going to have maybe five seconds left to run to get a drive. And so hundred percent makes sense. Doesn't, to me, it doesn't really matter if you give Davis Brin a 70-yard field or if you give him a 40-yard. I mean, he yeah, showed dude, that guy, he's like, playing he can get 68 out. yards in three plays in less than a minute to score a touchdown because he did that on a drive. Mm-hmm. And then on that, like, on that drive after the fourth down, I mean, he had two passes to get us within the one-yard line so that Anderson can just punch it in. Like, to me, it's not – and, I mean, obviously this is a hyperbolic comparison or anything, but it's the same, like – you should never give uh, Patrick Mahomes the ball, like always go for it just to keep it out of his hands. And that's kind of what I feel like they were doing. Davis Brin is leading the country in passing yards per game. Number one, baby. Don't give him the ball. And that's what they were doing. And so that, I mean, it makes sense. I'm glad it didn't work out because then he was proven correct. Davis Brin got it, got it, and (laughs) he scored. And then I was, I mean, that said, like we take the lead, we're up by three. I was still terrified that last drive, like the oh, whole way. I thought way. for sure it was going to overtime. I, th- I, I thought no doubt they're going to at least get it, at least overtime, right? They're going to get it down there and, and make something happen. Because they were moving down the field. I think on that last one they had a, like they started off with a 13-yard pass, got it to their 45, uh, and you're like, oh, man, like this is already looking rough. And then it's yeah. just three straight incompletions with a bobble. 
Yeah, uh, that, and like that to your right. to your point, um, and this is something I was going to bring up at some point in this episode, just to talk about the pass defense a little bit. It has not it has not been very good, right? That's that was definitely a concern. Like we gave up so many yards to Wyoming uh, after you know they got they had thirty passing yards. Right? We've talked about that. We've, they had thirty passing yards against Illinois, right? And Big Ten team, whatever, first game, trying to figure things out. We gave up two hundred fifty six passing yards to Wyoming. We gave up one hundred forty four to Northern Colorado. Um, or Northern Colorado, uh, Northern Illinois, who, uh, I don't know, man. It just, it scares me. Like they only, they only had 192 in their other game. So that's six, an extra 60 yard yards we're giving them, um, in, in passing defense. So I don't know if it's time to be concerned about the passing defense side. I think it probably is a little bit, right? There's definitely talent there. Like Tyon Davis has experience, um, kind of an underwhelming season last season, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, he should be the guy. I don't know if it's Tyree Carlisle that's kind of getting blown up all over the place here or if it's a combination of the Jace Oliver, LJ Wallace, uh, free safety spot that's that's not performing quite as well. I have a hard time imagining it's on Kendarren Ray. I feel like that guy is rock solid. Um, I'm not sure who where, where exactly the blame lies, but the passing defense has been worse than I had expected it to be coming into this year after so many years of extremely strong passing D. Yeah, well, and I think we kind of talked about that. We, you know, like our second corner position was, you know, where obviously we don't have a ton of depth, and it's just kind of a lot of young guys that are playing for the first time. And so I think part of what, to me, is interesting is that if you look at, like, Wyoming and this game, you know, like we held them in the first half to under, like, I think Wyoming had 90 passing yards in the first half. Northern Illinois had 58. Second half, Wyoming has like 170. Northern Illinois has 206. Yeah. And so I feel like both games, they just, you know, Wyoming, Northern Illinois respectively made the adjustments to kind of hit our weak spots. And yeah. they just kind of like capitalized on that going forward and we were just not able to adjust. And that's kind of a frustrating thing that I think we've seen a lot. Um, well, it's it's. And, I think it's concerning. Not not. A, I don't know if you're going down a Phil Montgomery thing here. I'm thinking of Luke was, Olson, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. He, Luke, it's on Luke Olson, if anybody, because he's the it, new DC. And the difference between previous years, it's been it's been Joe G, and right, and that's been a, 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 a series of strength here. And with, I understand. Like, I'm not I'm not throwing Luke Olson under the bus here. I understand it's the second game being the DC, uh, and maybe that's all it is. Maybe he's just trying to figure it out a little bit, trying to figure out what the adjustments need to be for him and his scheme going forward maybe that's maybe that's all it is yeah and so my philip montgomery train was more just um we've seen like other coaches make adjustments that he's not a he's not been able to respond to uh coming in you know like as the game goes on and that's where i feel like we see a lot of our early leads or like momentum kind of just die out as the game goes on um that being said don't want to get down i don't want to get like too negative in this episode because uh, we did win you know, fun fact, we won uh, 38 to 35. Uh, I don't know if we've even said that yet. But, um, yeah, and so to your point about Luke Olson, I think it's a combination of, or, you know, maybe not only a combination, but, like, first year defensive coordinator in and doesn't have as much talent. Like, when Gillespie came in, I feel like we were already super talented. Like, we had a lot of depth and a lot of good players at the corner position. Um, and, you know, we just had an incredible corner coach at the same time, corner and DBs. And so, yeah. you know, like we don't, he doesn't, he's missing out on some of that uh, 
really good strength that we did have, I think, early on in the Gillespie days. And so, like, I guess I I understand that there's probably probably going to be more growing pains, um, at least in that unit this year. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, that is easily our weakness, and it's definitely a concern, like, going forward. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole defense overall, I think, has underperformed so far. Um, and I don't put that on Montgomery. Like, I'll, I'll blame Montgomery for the offensive woes that we've been dealing with for many years all, every day of the week, right? But that has been the strength of this team uh, by a wide margin so far. And we talked about the passing defense plenty, but the other part of the defense that's underperforming so far is the defensive line. They have zero sacks through two games. We know there's talent on that line. Anthony Goodlow is one of the best DNs, I think, probably in the American. Uh, and he's, you know, he finally made some noise this game. I think he 1.5 tackles for a loss or something. He had a couple really big plays in there. Um, but other than him, and it's still no sacks, right? And you'd like to see a sack or two. Uh, but even outside of him, like Jaden Simon is a big dude, OU transfer. I feel like we haven't heard that much on his side. Uh, Joe Alexander or Joe Anderson, um, also kind of quiet. Just like none of these names that I thought would be jumping off the page at me early in the season against, you know, a Wyoming and a Northern Illinois team that Wyoming has a great offensive line. So I, I, I sort of excuse that Northern Illinois, I don't think is that, is that great. Um, so I was hoping to see kind of a big jump in numbers on the D line side of things and, and didn't quite, uh, but again, I'm focusing on like what, what should be improved. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm kind of talking about this. Yeah. And so you look at the two quarterbacks that we've played so far, um, Wyoming and Peasley and Northern Illinois and Lombardi, like they're both guys who are good on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as far as like sacks, not too concerned. I also feel like sacks aren't, um, you know, tackles for loss is what I care about more than sacks personally. But um, haven't had that like many the, of those though either. I know, uh, which is yeah, fair. But like those are quarterbacks that are going to be hard to take down. Like Owen Ostrowski, he got in the backfield a couple times, and he just got beat. Um, not, I don't know if I don't know if beat is the right word, but it's like he. Uh, went out and Lombardi was able to go out wide. And so mm-hmm. it's like those, it's just going to be like, these were games where it was hard because you had to hit them either super quick or it was going to be like our coverage was going to have to hold long enough so that he was going to have to stay in the backfield to try and find something. And it's, you know, that wasn't there. So, yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but like these guys aren't Lamar Jackson. It's the, I, these guys are like Davis Brin levels of speed. By the way, saw some wheels on Davis Brin. This he had a couple runs in there that were actually pretty shifty and like looking good. So I know that's not a big part of his game that he relies on, but I, I'm always surprised whenever he kind of gets out in the open field. And, and it's not so much speed as it is just being able to get out of the pocket and not be, yeah, you know, pressed. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and I wanted to bring it back to the, the taunting thing with Tyon real quick, too. Um, that one was a weird call. I don't really know how I feel about it. Uh, obviously, it was a huge bummer at the time. Like, that really sucked. I think that was it was a third down stop, right? And then we gave him a free first down from that from that taunting penalty. And they were on, on the on the like the three-yard line or something of their own. And yep. so that, that sucks. Uh, like, you, like, you watch the play again, and it doesn't look that bad. He does, like... He kind of shoves him back down into the ground, which I think is what drew the flag. I think if you just talk, there's no problem because that happens all game. You know, no one's going to call you out just for talking trash. It's when it gets like physical after the play, right? That's when you're going to draw the file. Um, and he definitely kind of like, I don't know if it was his head or his chest, but he like shoved him back down. And I don't know, man, like 
I always talk about how I like the competitive edge, especially in like secondary guys. That's been a thing with our defense for a long time, like big, physical, intimidating secondary that gets at you, right? And like I, th- I think offenses do struggle uh, with those kind of physical corners who are gonna who are not afraid to get up on you. Um, but at the same time, you have to be able to know when we just made a great play and like do anything in your power to not ruin it, right? Just anything to not ruin that play. And I get it, heat of the play, it kind of happened. It wasn't that bad. I don't know. I still, I'm very much on the middle of the road of like how I feel about that. It sucks that it happened. Obviously, I wish it didn't happen. Uh, maybe it shouldn't have been called, but at the same time, just like, just don't. Just got to have a little bit more self-control in, in those scenarios and, and not shove the guy back down. So I don't know. It's tough. I don't, I don't like the, I don't love the call. Also don't love that it happened in the first place. Uh, speaking of Tyon Davis, the announcers on TV, you probably didn't, I don't know if, I don't know if this is on Twitter. I, for, I probably should have looked around, but, uh, I'm sure somebody was complaining about it. The announcers kept calling Tyon Davis, Tyron Davis over and literally every time. I never heard a proper Tyon Davis. And I'm like, you would think somebody would give him like a little elbow to the ribs and say like, Hey man, it's Tyon. There's no R in there. Uh, but no, oh, literally over and over again, nonstop Tyron Davis. So that was kind of annoying. Uh, but yeah, besides that, uh, Really positive game. Uh, like, obviously, you get the win. Lots of positives to take away outside of the negatives that we've already spoken about. Davis Brin, still the king of college football in terms of passing yards. Literally still first in the country. You already mentioned it, Matt. Seven total touchdowns through two, two games. 782 total yards. One interception. Should not be on the stat line for him. He got decked, and the ball just floated off his hands because of that. Went way short, and, you know, easy easy pick for the guy. So, don't count that one against him. That guy is still playing his mind off out there, looking incredibly good. Uh, was named the American Athletic Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Was also, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? After the fact, added to uh, the Davey O'Brien watch list, which is the National Quarterback Award. There's a, there's a better word for after the fact here uh, that's like a single word. That's a really, it would have been perfect right there, but couldn't think of it. Uh, but added to it now. The only, uh, only one in my was, mind was posthumously but he's not dead so damn that maybe that's what i was thinking <laughs> yeah that definitely does that doesn't work <laughs> yeah so not posthumously uh still alive after the fact uh, added to this watch list and he was also on like the davy o'brien awards like great eight of the week so the eight best quarterbacks they do every week um and he was on that list so amazing game from him uh really couldn't be much better honestly like he is playing pretty pretty flawlessly out there very very few if none uh complaints the rushing game, on the other hand, still a big problem. Lots of problems going on there. We got, we are bottom 20 in college football and rushing offense right now. I know that's a combination of offensive line and also the fact that Deneric Prince and Anthony Watkins are nowhere to be found still with still no comment or anything from the coaching staff uh, on what, when, if ever, we can expect either of them back. Like, I don't know, just give me something. You know, I'm just looking for some optimism here because not the rushing attack is not good. I mean, obviously, we've got Steven Anderson there, and he can – try to get us into the end zone from the one and Taj Gary got some carries here. Bill Jackson got some carries here, but Denerick and Anthony Watkins are the guys. They're the one too. Everybody knows. Right. And we need them back. Clearly that is the plan for this offense. And where are they? Oh, it's just, it's killing me. And even with Steven Anderson, I know he had a touchdown in this game, maybe two. I know he had the one, the one late, but I can't remember if he had another one, but um, yeah, just one. And, uh, but at the same time, like, that, that third, you know, we were at the goal line, first and goal from the one, and we ran it three straight times in a row, twice with Taj Gary, I think, and then ended it off third and goal with Steven Anderson. Fail, fail, fail all three times. Finally, we bailed on that plan on fourth down, did a little play action pass out to Keelan Stokes, who got in there. But 
that's like the one time where I think, okay, even if we don't have the Eric Prince or Anthony Watkins, at least we still got Steven Anderson from the one-yard line. He's going to be able to get in there. And even that, he couldn't even, couldn't even get it done there. He did have another – the touchdown he did get in there was obviously a big one uh, to kind of give us the lead. Uh, similar situation from the one. He got in his first try that time. But I was so surprised. Like, three in a row, we got big backs back there. I thought, you know, one of those one of those would work. But at least we didn't try it four times in a row. Got the play action going. That was nice. Yeah, and part of that um, does come down to a newer offensive line is going to make it a little bit harder on a one-yard. And this is not to say I I think we should have made it on one of those three one-yard runs. But, um, you know, it's kind of a split offensive line and running back. Mm -hmm. Um, But after last year at Cincinnati, um, it's not like a guarantee. But you you mentioned his name, and I really liked what I saw um, from Taj Gary. In yeah. this game like he got a couple I, the first drive that he came in he just got like 12 yards nine it was like i don't know it maybe it's just because we haven't seen that this year but it was it was pretty solid especially because like all of a sudden ford's missing too like he wasn't on the depth chart at all um, oh my gosh yeah you're right i forgot and so it's like i just this is so weird because tu used to be our big thing was our running game. And, you know, I think there was a point yeah. made where it's like TU had taken over Memphis's running back factory. <laughs> and now yeah, we just like, we don't have that. As and like it should be game. though. That's the, that's the frustrating thing. Like we should still be that, but we just have no idea where these guys are. Yeah. But yeah, Taj Gary, I mean, you're right. Look at those numbers. Eight carries, 36 yards, had a 14 yarder in there. I mean, that, that's what you like to see. I mean, that's cool. I, he, we saw him a little bit in game one, but not, not that much. And, He's also a bigger guy, like 220 pounds. Um, you know, he's not the 260 Steven Anderson is, but 220, I mean, he's, that's pretty solid. So two big dudes in Anderson and Gary. Uh, Bill Jackson had two carries in there. He's a, he's a smaller, shiftier guy, 189. Um, and it's always fun to see him. He's the he's that dude from St. Louis that I like to see in there. But, yeah, man, it's a struggle. Um, hopefully, like, hopefully we get some kind of info eventually about what the plan is. I just – even if it's that they're out for the season, I just want to know, you know, just like, I don't know. I understand if it's probably not, they, the coaching staff themselves probably don't know. It's probably a week by week thing with academics or some punishment that has yet to be decided for something off the field. And they're still waiting to understand what the full extent of this is going to be as well. But it's a killer to sit here and just be waiting for something to come down. Yeah. Just, I thought it was kind of funny on that. You meant the, you mentioned the 14 yarder, like, I feel like he they needed that, or else Davis Brin was for the second week in a row going to have the, the longest rush of, <laughs> of the game with like a thirteen yard run. Um, yeah, Davis wheels Brin. As... Davis wheels Brin, baby. There so. you go. Uh, okay, so before we move on, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the game day environment. I was going to ask you about that since you were there. I was not there. I don't live there, unfortunately. Could not go. Uh, but lots of improvements to the game day environment, they say, uh, has been long teased for the last few weeks now about what the, all the details were and how it was going to turn out. So uh, give me the breakdown. What was it like out there? Yeah. So just I'll say, like, when I first set foot on campus, it just felt different uh, than I feel like it has in a lot of years because I feel like you go to the new you, um, you know, the Chapman Commons and... And it's like a lot of times I feel like it's been not dead, but not much action there. And it was packed. Like there were a lot of people, there were a lot of tents. The alumni tent was like 
full. The food was good. It was apparently, I think I could get a, I couldn't find where to get a free drink, but I thought apparently there was supposed to be one. Um, so that's the biggest bummer for me. Um, but it was just like, I don't know. They kind of take the alley from the stadium where a lot of times you just have those private tailgates. Like those yeah, were yeah. still going on, but like kind of as you went, that entire alley was full of stuff. There was a giant shopping cart from research. Oh, that's where that actually that went. Was, okay. You saw was, it there. That's cool. I only saw the tweet about it. Yeah. So that was just chilling there on the street. And I was just <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. Nice. And then, you know, they turned that into that's coming down. Sh- people are chucking shirts in the, in the stands from it. And so like, I feel like people should be chucking stuff into it during that at the same time for <laughs> yeah. uh, like a, like a prize. I mean, you have all those, sporting events where you like throw a ball into a bucket it should be yeah. something like that um nice you i like throw it a, throw a football into the shopping cart so that was really cool um and just like the entire venue just seems so much more active um in terms of you know you've got all the banners you've got the new like hall of fame road to canton uh display right. that they've got up right that there was so cool. next to the yeah. dot statue okay so i've got a question about that um yeah in the in the video i saw on twitter of that it looked great I, i'm curious how it actually looked in per it was a wrap right it's not painted on the wall mm-hmm. so did the wrap look it looks good yes or kind of okay. yeah. at least yeah. so i didn't get like right next to it like i looked at it and then looked at it again but i didn't get like right up to the wall to look to inspect it yeah but it didn't look like it was just put on hastily or anything like that. Like it looked good in person too. Um, yeah. And so you got the four hall of famers, you got the three first round picks, uh, two of which are in the last two years, you know, crazy. It's pretty cool. Um, then they had a big, like a fan shop. They had a bunch of the, like the food lines. The one thing I said, I don't know this and we're going to need to get somebody to respond to us. I have no idea what the nachos look like. (laughs) I could not figure that out. Uh, just Can you I confirm they had them there? No, because I did not go to a concession stand. Oh, wow, I, Matt. I know. I was, I was in the press box. Um, oh, yeah. Forgot. Uh, and they don't have nachos up there. so I, Take one for the team. Go get some nachos. Next time I will. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I, and I also wasn't hungry because there was so much free food before the game that they were giving out. So yeah, it's, it's tough. They had, they nice. had like barbecue. They had burgers. They had potato salad. They had blueberry just cookies. Free. It was, and it was just free for everybody, right? Yeah. You yeah. just get in line, you get a plate, and you get food. And it was and great. And this was all um, – was, so was the free it. food and everything all at the alumni tent or was it like everywhere? The alumni – it was at the Spread alumni out. tent. They had a couple tables uh, set up with different lines. And so gotcha. they just had a couple guys like grilling out next next to it. It was awesome. Nice. Um, and then as far as like once the game started, you know, I thought the MCU was really good, especially like just from the start. The energy was – you could feel it. He's getting – he's talking to the crowd. He's getting them all hyped. I think moving the student section back over to um, away from like the north end zone back to the south end zone, yeah, is definitely the right call. And to have the bands like right there, like at the back of the student section, like the student section was awesome. Um, I thought, and a lot of them stayed for most of the game. Why do you think it's better uh, to be on the south end zone versus the north? Because uh, I just feel like in the north end zone, it was such a small spot, and it was like they literally just put them in the opposing team's fan section. 
like which just seemed so weird to me. Yeah, that's true. Like that section has always been the the other teams like tr- where they where their fans sit. And even right. when the student section was there, it was like still kind of the other team's fan section. And so like to have them come in, obviously the freshmen stormed the field, which was cool. Um, but Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the freshmen kind of like ran onto the field right before the football team with the hurricane flags. It was oh, nice. Cool. That's like the um, Baylor. Baylor does that or used to do mm-hmm. that at least. That's cool. I didn't know that happened. Yeah, but then, you know, when the football team is running on, the student section is right there, right where the team's coming out. And so I think that's just another really cool uh, experience. And so I just I just like that. Um, the one thing, there were a couple things that I think they just need to work on, but Brad has already, you know, been to Twitter talking about it. He's like, hey, these are the things that people said, and we're going to fix it, which is incredible. Exactly, yeah. That he's like, yeah, we're trying to figure out how the sound is a little too loud for some of the people in the corner. We're going to make sure that the band and the DJ aren't playing on top of each other. Like those kind of like small things that I didn't notice as well because I couldn't hear it as quite the same as like some of those people uh, down like in the actual seats. But like that kind of stuff is awesome that they're just kind of, and he said like, you know, this is the bare minimum. Like this is what every game is going to be like. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. The one thing is, and you kind of like sent me a message just as uh, saying like on TV, it didn't look like it was packed and it wasn't, um, which I don't think I'm not surprised because yeah, it's the home opener. So you're going to get, you would think there'd be some bump, but you're coming off a weird, like a bad loss to Wyoming. And it's not like an overnight thing. I think it's something that will slowly build up over mm-hmm. the course of the year, especially if we're going to be like the team is exciting to watch as stressful. Like if you are a, not Tulsa fan, this was probably a super exciting game to watch from start to finish um, and not stressful for you. Yeah. Um, and so as, as like, if you are not like a TU person, you know, this probably wasn't, you probably weren't like biting your nails and pulling your hair out kind of stuff. Um, and so it's like that kind of game. I feel like over the season, it'll just get bigger and bigger. Um, so I'm I don't not, know, man, I never in my TU career has intended attendance gone up over the course of a TU season, like home opener, even if you lost the first one has home opener and homecoming. Those are always the two most attended games of the year. Always have been. If there are yeah. more people like and so just to just to follow up on that, like the so when I first, you know, opened it up on TV, that's when I sent you the message. And, you know, mostly you see the away side of the field where the where the road fans go uh, and sit over there. And that looked pretty shallow. It did not look good on TV. And that's mostly the angle you see on TV, which is unfortunate because you're that's usually what, what the angle that the camera's facing. And but eventually over the course of the game, you know, you, you see enough camera angles where you can kind of get a better picture of how many people are actually in the stadium. There won't be pans around the stadium or whatever. And the home side, like where we usually used to sit, that looked way more full than the other, like not even close, right? It actually looked pretty good uh, relatively. And so I was happy with that. If that continues and, and stays around there, um, that's fantastic. The other side, obviously we've got a lot of home fans that should be over there too, and that did not get filled up quite as much. Uh, that's where the issue was. But later on in the game, I thought it actually did look pretty good on TV. Yeah, and so one, as long as you've been a TU fan, we've had like a couple winning seasons um mm-hmm. so it's not surprising that attendance doesn't doesn't go up when you're looking at you know like two three wins for the season yeah. kind of thing oh for um, sure but to your point about how you know later in the game you thought it did look good and i think that's i was not seeing a lot of fans leaving 
And I think that's something that we've like, whether it be the student section, whether it be just like people just bouncing at some point. Um, I think a lot of people stayed around till the end, which was awesome. So, yeah. And I wonder, a part of me also wondered, like, was it just so fun at the tailgate that people were late coming into the game or something? I don't know if that was the case at all. Uh, that, I mean, that's total speculation. Did that look like that That was a thing? Were people late to the game? Yeah, because when you sent me, when you texted me, um, I had just walked through the plaza and there were like people milling about out there at the concession stands, at the at the fan shop, at the, mm-hmm. you know, all the uh, beer cart stuff. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's part of it in that they you know, people were partaking in all the other stuff. So, yeah, cool. I mean, honestly, for, for the first game, um, with breaking out all the new stuff, it seemed like it went smoothly. I feel like when you're doing so many new things at once, something could easily go wrong. And I'm sure that, I mean, you mentioned Brad Carson's thing where he mentioned the improvements that he's going to try to make for game two. Uh, but those are most of them relatively minor, uh, that can be fixed. The only one that I feel like it's going to take a little bit more work uh, was the speaker situation. It sounded like the speakers were all in one corner and the people sitting by those speakers got their ears blasted off. And I don't know how you're going to fix that because they're not, I'm sure the speakers aren't just like on wheels and you can just move. I'm sure they're built into the wall or something. Um, yeah. So besides that, I mean, for, for the first game, I was happy, like, especially by halftime when I was got some good like views of the field. It looked good for the first game after a decent season last season coming back everyone's trying to figure out what we're going to do for game day this year all these new improvements um kind of was hoping to be wowed a little bit more from a tv perspective but i think i was uh, overestimating what can be done in a short period of time i agree with you i think it's a long game thing um whether that is this season attendance slowly goes up or if it's like the home opener of next season is 25 percent better than it was for this season and then it you know slowly declines over the season or whatever i yeah. also think your tv experience was um, marred because of ESPN plus. So that's part of it. Well, not really. I mean, I could still see the, the number of fans and everything like that. That was no problem. But yeah, the ESPN plus just like watching the game experience was terrible. They were, it was really bad. There were flashes of audio, like red flashes all over the place. And, um, uh, just audio was bad. Video quality was bad, all that stuff. So yeah, uh, that was, that was a bummer, but it seemed like the game, the game stuff was pretty fine. I wanted to talk about the, um, Brad's his tweet where he mentioned what he was going to improve. Um, got a lot of stuff in here. Uh, I'm just going to read through them all real quick. He's got water stations all around Chapman Commons tailgate. These are all things that will be happening um, for this coming Saturday, like this game against Jacksonville State. Uh, water stations all around Chapman Commons. I don't know if there just were zero or just not enough in, in the last one, but um, more water will be there. Uh, standing tables to eat concessions. Saving the cane siren for key third down. So when he says that, was, were they blowing it um, like too much? Was it like too much siren? Is that the point there? I think so. Um, and just that it maybe should be for some of the big third down stops instead of like just a normal third yeah. down, I okay. guess. So like keep, yeah, huh, that makes sense. Um, keep going here. He's got larger t-shirt sizes from the t-shirt Gatling gun thing that we saw. Um, I'll follow back on that. I have a question about that one. Uh, better integration of the MC, making sure the DJ and the band don't play over each other. Um, like she mentioned, making sure we've got band and drum corps for a team walk to stadium. That makes sense. And then seeing what we can do for people sitting near speaker. Oh, wait, there's more. Uh, yeah, ensuring food lines are as short as possible. Not sure how you do that without having just more food available. Um, we'll see. Uh, chairs for some of the ticket takers who might need a break from standing. That is very nice. 
Uh, and that was it. So the one I wanted to follow back up on, larger size t-shirts from the Gatling gun. Don't care about the sizes. I mean, I'm sure people will like them about this, but my question is not about that. My question is about, did you see that thing in action? And what was it like? If you did. The Gatling gun? Yes. I did not. Oh, I bummer. was waiting for it and apparently I missed it. Um, I don't know if it was like, cause the other thing I missed is I went to the restroom after like their first after NIU's first touchdown of the half and I came back and they had the ball and I was like what the hell happened because <laughs> yeah. I missed the onside missed the onside <laughs> yeah sucks so apparently you know maybe they use the Gatling gun at the same time but maybe. I was told um somebody told me on Twitter that it was like super cool so nice all right very cool I did I did see them throw shirts out of the the research card Cool. Okay. Uh, that is probably enough recap on the NAU game. Good game. Good win. Nice way to get the season started. Kind of more uh, more up and down than thought it was going to be, but overall, good to get a win over a loss for sure. So good to take that into Jacksonville State. Before we get to Jacksonville State, let's hit some players of the game here. Uh, we will start with offensive player of the game. And do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I went first last week, so I think it's your turn. All right. Offensive player of the game. Day, not Davis Brand. I'm giving it to Keelan Stokes. He had a hell of a game, and the only thing that held him back in my mind was his muffed punt, but that was a special teams play, so I am not counting that against him. This is an offensive player of the game award. That is not a thing I am considering. So Keelan Stokes, player of the game for several different reasons. One, obviously, uh, second-to-last offensive play of the game for Tulsa. He comes up with that big, uh, long 30-yard, 31-yard catch. Uh, gets us down to the one-yard line. Hell of a catch right there. And then Steven Anderson is able to put it in put it in the end zone, give us the lead, and that ended up being the final score of the game. So uh, that was a hell of a catch. There was also pass interference on that play, like that one where he caught and got it down to the one. Didn't matter. Still caught it. Incredible play. Um, but that was not the only one. He was not a one-and-done here. He had a big game in terms of numbers. A couple other long plays, including uh, like a couple other like big long pass plays. But also the other one that sticks out in my head is um, – one I mentioned already, that fourth down, we had gone for it, uh, like first and goal from the one, three straight times, run up the middle, uh, no luck on any of those plays, got stopped every time. Fourth down, we go for it, play action, Keelan Stokes runs out to the side, we get it to him, he gets into the end zone. Uh, big time play right there. And he's a, he's a killer. He's still having an amazing year. He is second nationally in receiving yards per game right now with 152 on average and just looks really good. And the numbers also, like I mentioned, he had a Big day in terms of numbers, eight catches, 135 yards, and that 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 one touchdown on fourth down there. Um, hell of a game for him. Lots of people you could give it to. Lots of offensive firepower in this game uh, across the board, aside from running backs. But uh, everybody else, incredible game. But I'm going to give it to, uh, to Stokes here. I'm just going to keep writing um, the storyline that I have crafted for this season, and I'm going to give it to Davis Brinney. He is very deserving. Um, in the same way, like because I believe in the American Conference, um, so I believe in Davis Brinney. But, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of really good offense from our passing side of the ball. Like Davis Brin, 322 yards, three touch, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Four touchdowns uh, with the one not-his-fault pick. Um, and, like, Juan Carlos Santana, 87 yards, two touchdowns. Isaiah Epps with a touchdown. Like, there's just a lot of strong play across the board. But Davis Brin, again, it doesn't work without him. And – like just the the two two drives, one where he had 68 yards, 10 on the ground, 58 in the air, um, to essentially so that we scored in four plays, and then um, and that one was to end the first half, 
And so it was like right after they scored their first touchdown. Yeah. And he was just like, nope, no momentum for you guys. <laughs> Boom. For touchdown sure. straight down the field. Yep. And then that last touchdown drive where he hit Stokes for like the play you were just talking about. Yeah. Like just to have that electric QB feel is just something we haven't had since Dane Evans. And it's just too exciting to, to have it. And it's like, I'm just, I'm kind of excited for when our offensive line gets more experience under them. Cause there are times where he is rushing or he is not able to like fully step up in it before he throws. Yeah. And it's like, once he's actually got a little bit more time, our wide receivers have so much ability to separate. Like yeah. there was one pass to Epps that went just a little bit too far because he was like running, he was throwing as he runs. So he couldn't take his time and actually, um, like wait a second. If he waits a second before throwing that ball, Epps is right where it goes. Yeah. And so like there are some, I just feel like there's like another 50, 60 yards kind of like left on the table that we might see in later games too. Yeah, man. No, I agree. He is, he is killing it. I, I hear you on the every now and then he's got to rush a pass because of he, the, you know, defense is getting to him because of the offensive line or just because it's a good play by the defense there. And it, it's, I, I remember a play happening to Santana who actually caught the ball, uh, but San, he, Bryn had like two guys coming at him, stepped up in the pocket, dodged those guys and threw a, you know, a rushed pass um, to a just straight up wide open JC Santana. And he was, he was wide open, but the, the pass was underthrown. So we had to come back and it ended up being like a 30 yard, reception mm -hmm. but it easily could have been a wide open yeah. touchdown pass yep. had that I not remember been, uh, I remember saying like oh if he hits him in stride yeah I mean there was nobody that was like just so open um so no I I hear you uh JC had an awesome game too I want to call him out two touchdowns for him um had that 14 yarder at first drive of the game juke the dude and caught it on the sideline just totally totally burned that guy the other one 25 yard catch where he's got the ball like up in his arms and the defender two defenders are trying to rip it out of his hands and he holds strong long enough to get into the end zone and it gets ripped out but after he had already been in the end zone so awesome game for him another guy I almost gave it to not a big game in terms of numbers let me pull up his actual stats here uh he had ah, not a bad game four catches 61 yards malachi jones um but the play that sticks out third and 14 on that last drive of the game right and Bryn goes to Stoke or Bryn goes to Jones uh, and he catches it over that over that first yard line gets first down line gets it and keeps the drive alive the very next play is that 31 yard pass to Stokes that sets up Steven Anderson to win the game right that was a huge third down conversion that we got right there massive catch from Malachi Jones so uh had to shout him out too all right you take us away on defense okay so on defense my pick this week is Grant Sawyer um, I think a lot of it, I would, so there's one player where I was like, oh, I kind of want to give it to him, but his like heroics at the end to me balanced out something earlier. So that might give it away who, who the other one um, yeah. that I was considering was, but for me, it was Grant Sawyer. Um, like he, I think just stepped up this game, especially in the first half. Our defense was incredible in the first half. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we yeah, only gave up right. seven points. They 58 yards passing. Uh, let me pull up the got the rushing stats here too. Uh, yeah, so 58 yards passing and 61 yards rushing. Like they are a strong 
running team. Yeah, for sure. They've got three guys that can kind of like take it to you, as we saw in the second half uh, when it kind of like stopped. But, I mean, Grant had eight total tackles, one and a half for a loss. I, I feel like the sacks, like he's not a guy who's going to get a lot of sacks to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but to feel like to have him kind of like wreck some havoc in there, like for a game where our defense didn't blow me away, I think he was the strongest performance that I saw. Yeah, no, he looked really good. He's got the numbers to prove it too. Um, so I think that's a good pick. Uh, I almost picked Bryson Powers for a similar reason. He also made the AAC honor roll this this week. So if you're uh, you were saying you you like the AAC, so you're gonna what was the what was your reason about the oh because he was offensive player of the week. That's right, Davis Brent. Um, yeah, so similar thing for Bryson Powers. I didn't pick him though. Picked Tyon Davis. Feel like you got to if you win the game for the team. Feel like you you earn your spot in the in the defensive player of the week category. And yeah, I know the pass. We already talked about it a little bit. Passing defense has been a little, uh, a little shaky overall. But you may, you more than make up for it when it's the last drive of the game, and I use got to go score uh, to either extend it or, or win it for it for them. And yeah, it was a little bit of luck. You know, it hit the receiver in the hands again, but he popped it up in the air. Uh, but you still got to be there, be ready to make that play. It was kind of a diving interception. He jumped after it, uh, got the ball, and and held on. So awesome for him. I, he, I don't think that's his first interception but it, it it honestly might be he did not have very many last year if any uh let me pull up his stats real quick and see if i can confirm that that is his first there you go yeah so zero interceptions last year started the entire year uh played pretty well but no picks so yeah first career pick for tyon davis that's another reason give it to him defensive player of the week that's awesome and i just want to say i also didn't pick him because i knew you were going to pick him so yeah, i like that's to spread fair. the love no i, I do th- i do the same thing <laughs> uh cool okay moving on special teams uh another bad week for special teams so uh gonna be a tough one i don't really remember anything particularly great in terms of coverage or kicking or punting like we only punted once i guess i didn't realize that during the game but lachlan davis his numbers only have one punt yeah it was a 51 yard that's pretty nice but uh one punt i'm like ah I, i don't know if i can pick it just from one punt so there goes Lachlan. Uh, did I say Lachlan Davis? Lachlan Wilson uh, is his name. If I said that wrong, I can't remember if I did. But Zach Long missed another field goal, so he's four for seven now. You know, not not great. Twenty-two of twenty-three last year. Twelve of fifteen his first year. He's already missed three this season. That's, I mean, that's almost more than his entire previous career. So, not a hot start for Zach Long. Um, I don't have a name. I don't know who to pick here. I don't. <laughs> I seriously can't think of anybody who sticks out to me as somebody who should be it and i'm sure there was somebody who made it great there always is like some under the radar play during a special teams thing that i straight up don't see always happens um but i just can't think of any this week i I literally don't have one to give yeah so mine is going to be a name uh familiar to listeners because it is grant sawyer again um because i have in my notes from the game i say there is just one line that says grant sawyer looks good looks good huge hit on special teams because <laughs> on our first i don't remember if it was a our first punt or a kickoff but like you know i always just get a little concerned at the start of the game and it was the first time that they were returning any sort of kick and so you know just based on my experience i get nervous about that and he just came in and laid the guy out like all right got like maybe three or four yards and so a game where there wasn't a whole lot of special teams um 
Sawyer is the one that just like stuck out to me and I even have a note. So that's a good one. That's what I was looking for. That's awesome. Cool. Okay. So that is TU last week. Before we move on to TU next week, let's do uh, a look around the rest of the conference, how they did last week. Um, So there was one game on Friday. All the other games were on Saturday. Friday's game was one of the games of the week. There were two really uh, games that I was really looking forward to this week. Uh, One of them was this one, and that was UCF playing Houston, uh, playing Houston, USF hosting Louisville. I started saying hosting, and then I was thinking about Houston. I said Houston. Uh, UCF hosting Louisville. Uh, they lost to them, 20-14. to 14. You might remember last year, UCF played at Louisville. Very dramatic game, that game. Dylan Gabriel got hurt on the last play of the game. The UCF lost uh, in a, I can't remember the final score. It was really high scoring last year. Uh, not quite as high scoring this year. 20-14 to 14 was the final score. And they lost it at home this time. So funny, first of all, because UCF fans were just, as usual, extremely overconfident in their team after a week one game against an FCS team. And I'm like, guys, so the the thing that kills me is Gus Malzahn's the coach. UCF's quarterback this year is John Rice Plumley. He came from Auburn. And he had transferred around a couple times, I think. He actually was back at Auburn playing receiver or something, wanted to play quarterback again. So he transfers back to transfers to UCF to play quarterback for Gus, right? And lights up his first game, whoever they were playing against, big numbers, all that stuff. UCF is totally sold on him, uh, thinking this is the guy. And like Gus has a history with running quarterbacks with Cam Newton, a couple other guys, right? And John Rice Pumley is, is definitely more of a runner. And everybody is over the moon for this. So we go into the Louisville game, and he sucked. He just looked horrible and could not complete a pass. Uh, every, and all of a sudden, UCF fans just turn on a dime on this guy. Bench this dude. Like, bring back Mikey Keene. Bring back whoever their third person is. I don't know. It was just such a turn of out of nowhere from one mediocre. It wasn't that bad. I don't know. I was so surprised at the reaction to this game from UCF fans. Uh, but anyway, he didn't look good. I mean, that's definitely true. But you would think after just one game, they wouldn't already just be throwing him to the Wolves. But anyway, they lost. Louisville's quarterback, Malik Cunningham, ran over, ran all over UCF. Uh, he ran for 121 yards by himself. And then that does not include the running backs who put together like another 70-something yards that game. Um, so, yeah, uh, Louisville, if you're – I guess when we play UCF, remember, they can't stop the run very well. So that's what we should be doing to them. They do have a relatively strong passing defense. But running defense, probably not. Uh, so that's that game. Saturday, uh, we played Northern Illinois. Everybody knows about that. The other big game of this you week. You don't play UCF, unfortunately. Oh, shoot. You're right. Yeah, good point. Keep forgetting about that. That's such a bummer. Last year in the league. I wish we did. But yeah, Maybe good conference call. championship. It's the only opportunity. Maybe. I mean, at this point, they got to figure out their quarterback situation. Uh, yeah, but I, that's the only chance we could, we could have to play them. Uh, so yeah, Saturday, the other, the other really fun game this week that I didn't get to watch at all, unfortunately, because on uh, Fox Sports 1, I... Did not have access to that channel this week. So uh, Houston played Texas Tech. I uh, can't remember who was hosting that game. So on the road playing Texas Tech. And I didn't, so like I mentioned already, didn't get to watch it. Really wish I would have. Was really excited about this game. Because they, they played last year too. It was Houston's first game last season. So two repeats in a row. You got UCF playing Louisville for the second year in a row. Uh, UCF lost that last year. Houston played Texas Tech last year. Also lost in their season opener against a not very good Texas Tech team, right? And that was a huge loss for them. Houston ended up really turning their season around after that, and, and obviously they made it to the conference championship and lost. Uh, but this was a big game on that calendar, right? They, they're coming off a three-overtime game on the road against UTSA, 
and now they have to come back and play Texas Tech. UTSA, very good also. Uh, and they dropped this game. So the stats looked somewhat underwhelming for Clayton Toon. He put up a bunch of yards, 266 yards, but went 20 of 39. Not a great number for him. Uh, one touchdown, one interception. But what really happened here is not Houston-related on the offense, it sounds like. It mostly sounds like Texas Tech just passed it all over them. Uh, their quarterback is Donovan Smith. He went 36 of 58 for two touchdowns and three interceptions. So they were just throwing the ball all over this field. Even with three interceptions, he had 351 passing yards in this game. And they go into double overtime. It's like two overtime games in a row for them. They ended up losing in double OT. And, you know, I, my first thought on that game was, like, everybody's calling us the Cardiac Canes and has been for the last several years because of the results. But, like, two straight multiple overtime games to start the year for Houston. I think they can be uh, – the cardiac cougs or whatever. Uh, so that, that's what they're up to. Um, bummer loss for them, but uh, not going to complain that much about a, a loss for Houston. Uh, moving on, less exciting games uh, from here on out pretty much. Uh, Temple played an FCS team Lafayette at home, and they won a game 30-14. to 14, And it was actually extremely close for a very long time. I think it was actually 14-14. to 14, And then Temple finally uh, benched their Georgia transfer quarterback, Dewan Mathis. He was the starter all year last year. Really underperformed last season. A lot of people put it on uh, Rod Carey, who got fired at the end of the year last year. So he was named the starter again under their new head coach, Stan Drayton. Uh, but still terrible. Uh, no better under Stan. And so he got the bench after what seemed like a long time coming. So in comes freshman quarterback EJ Warner, and he just absolutely lit them up. 14 of 19 for 173 yards and two touchdowns in like one half of football. That is pretty, pretty damn good. And I understand it's just an FCS team. I also understand... They were probably game planning for Dewan Mathis and not EJ Warner, but still, uh, he looked a lot better than Mathis did. So, something to watch. I mean, if Temple really turns it around under under EJ, um, it's not going to be nearly as easy of a win as me and Matt had previously hoped for, because uh, we do play Temple this year, and um, they've been pretty terrible for a while. So, something to watch. EJ Warner, um, final comment on that game. I was thinking about his name, EJ Warner. Uh, their last great quarterback at Temple who won the conference championship for them, P.J. Walker. So two-letter names at Temple, it works for them. Something to keep in mind. Watch out for E.J. Moving on. Uh, Memphis beat Navy 37-13 on the road in Annapolis. So Navy on, at home just gets smoked by a team who just got shellacked by Mississippi State last week, 49-23, and it was not even that close of a game. So Bad, bad luck for Navy. They have already lost to an FCS team in Delaware in, in week one. Now they've lost to a mediocre Memphis team. So not great there. I think Memphis is extremely middle of the road, if not below average this season. So uh, not good for either of those. Kind of a boring game. Didn't see any of it. Um, only one other fun game this week was ECU playing Old Dominion. Old Dominion, Old Dominion just came off their second Power 5 victory ever. Uh, they beat Virginia Tech last week. Virginia Tech, also Old Dominion's first Power 5 victory ever. So both of their two Power 5 like, wins. Didn't they beat them last year? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So both their Power 5 wins, both are Virginia Tech. Pretty crazy. So they're coming off a big one. And then ECU coming off an extremely close loss uh, to a ranked North Carolina State team who, frankly, they looked uh, kind of better than and probably should have beaten. So emotional games for both those teams and thought this was going to be a closer game than it was ecu beat old dominion 39 to 21 uh held old dominion to 15 rushing yards in the game pretty brutal and you know we know old dominion we played in the bowl game last year they looked good and i'll tell you ecu ecu looks uh very good kind of glad we missed them this year honestly um, experience all over the field for them. Holton Naylor has been there for like 30 years at this point. Their running back room is amazing. Uh, possibly the best in the league, in my opinion. They have some serious, 
dogs at running. Keaton Mitchell, extremely talented. Rajay Harris has been has been there for a few years as well. It looks really good. They got some nice receivers. Uh, sleeper to win the conference, especially with Houston looking a little uh, vulnerable here early. Same with UCF and Cincinnati. So ECU, I don't know. Don't like saying it out loud, but possible that I, I wouldn't be too surprised, I don't think, if, uh, if we saw them in the conference championship this year. The only other games this week were all FCS games, um, and they were all big wins for AAC teams. So since he beat Kennesaw State 63 to 10, Tulane beat Alcorn State 52 to nothing. That's nice. SMU beat Lamar 45 to 16, and South Florida beat Howard 42 to 20. Uh, USF fans, even after a 22-point win, still pissed at their team. So we'll see what happens going forward. All right, that is uh, around the American. Let's get on to some Jacksonville State stuff here. Um, first of all, it's 918 day. First, first 2,500 fans will get free City of Tulsa flag magnets. Uh, and that is most of the benefit. That's like the only extra thing. All the other stuff from the previous, like last week's game, will still be there and now improved, uh, as we have discussed. Uh, Brad Carson looking into uh, how we can shore that the stuff up that fell maybe a little bit short last week. But overall, really should be an awesome event. Uh, again, first 2,500 people get free City of Tulsa flag magnets. Um, the band, which was uh, David Nail Band uh, last week, is now in Oklahoma, since it's 918 day, going leaning into the Oklahoma native stuff here. It's an Oklahoma band, Tret, Tret Charles Band. Never heard of them, uh, but a local band, and they will be playing there. Should be kind of cool. Um, and the only other thing about this game is that if you buy tickets before Friday, this coming Friday, the 16th, then they are only $9.18 going into the uh, 918 uh, theme here. So that's that. Um, oh, yeah, and it's also – so previous – this is another theme that has happened in the past, not 918 Day, but uh, one of the ones that has happened, uh, Alzheimer's Awareness Day. They usually do the walk to end Alzheimer's that day in the morning, um, led by Phil Montgomery's wife, and they are still doing that, but it is not the headliner. I don't know if they're – actually, I don't know if they're still doing the walk, but it is definitely still Alzheimer's Awareness Day uh, along with 918 Day. So that is that. All right, continuing on with Jacksonville State. Some stuff about them. Their head coach, it's Rich Rod. I had no idea. Totally, this totally missed my radar screen. I was very surprised when I saw this. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, uh, he has a lot of history in college football, most of it a mixed bag. Uh, he's gotten in trouble in a couple different places. He did extremely well as head coach at West Virginia, but then got in trouble um, at Michigan for player criticisms around like behavior and treatment of players and stuff. Uh, also NCAA rule violations, so lots of different things at, at uh, Michigan. And then um, at his next stop after, I think, a short stint in CBS Sports was with Arizona, and he got uh, charged with uh, some sexual misconduct thing. Trial ended up being dismissed. Don't really know what happened there, but trouble uh, follows this guy around, it seems. And But he's back, first year, uh, with Jacksonville State, coaching the Gamecocks. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I know like, he was one of the first kind of big names that popularized, popularized the uh, spread option, like the, the no-huddle spread that runs the ball more often than you would think they would. Um, so I'm sure that's kind of Jacksonville State's scheme. It does seem like that is. Uh, I looked at their previous games. Um, they're 3-0. They beat uh, Stephen F. Austin, Davidson, and Murray State all by a lot, 42-17 to against Stephen F. Austin, 35-17 to against Davidson and 34 to three in their most recent game against Murray State. So they are walking all over these other FCS teams. Um, and they definitely do run the ball more than they pass. It's not like it's extreme, but it's, it's pretty balanced, but they definitely run it more often than, than they pass. So uh, 
man, I don't know. Not a team to take lightly here. 3-0, and smoking these other FCS teams. Uh, I, like, I didn't know anything about Jacksonville State coming into getting ready for this game a little bit, but the way they're just, just destroying these other guys uh, gives me a little bit of pause. What do you think? I am not one to take any FC, FCS team lightly, um, not just because we lost to UC Davis last year, but also because like, we have just, I feel like, overlooked them in the past. Um, like I think back to central Arkansas a couple of years ago where we barely won that yeah, game for sure. Um, and so I really hope the team, I hope the coaching staff is taking this one seriously because like, this is not a game where we can just show up and win. Um, I don't think there's, I mean, when we talked to Jerry earlier, he was talking about like FCS is not the same FCS that, that people think of it from, you know, like even 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a bunch of FCS teams beat. Like, I think, um, what is it? Somebody beat Nevada by like 17. Somebody, an FCS team won by like 28 over an FBS team this past weekend. Yeah. Um, and so like, these are all just generalizations that I'm saying, but like this looks to be Jacksonville state looks like they've got a good offense, which means, which is, Potentially, I don't know much about their defense. I don't know how good these other teams that they played are offensively, but they kind of shut them down. And so I don't think they will have played anybody like Tulsa's offense is capable of. We have one of the top, I mean, we have the top passer right now in the country. <laughs> and so receiver. I think that kind of, I think that helps us for sure. But I, I really, really would like to see our defense kind of step up and yeah keep somebody to like under 30 points let's just like start small yeah but somebody anybody i agree anyways yeah they do have some some good uh some good guys um their their quarterback is a senior zion webb uh completing 50 57 of his passes so far has a touchdown interception ratio of two to four though so not very good uh two tds to four interceptions um but they run it more than they pass, uh, like I said. So on the running side, they're, they've got two uh, kind of bell cow running backs. One is a sophomore, Anwar Lewis. The other is a senior, Matt LaRoche. And Lewis, the sophomore, much more productive uh, than Matt LaRoche so far. Um, they're both, it's not like one is the shifty guy and one's the big dude, like we're kind of used to seeing, especially in, in Tulsa teams of past, but uh, they're both about the same. Uh, Anwar Lewis, 5'8", 180. Matt LaRoche, 5'9", 185. So pretty much the exact same size. We'll see, but they are very productive on the ground, especially on Mar Lewis. Um, receiving core, they've got a junior, Sterling Galbin. Uh, he is their leading guy. Eight catches for 165 yards and a touchdown. Um, on the defensive side, only one interception so far, so same as us. Uh, that's from a safety named Deco Wilson. Uh, they do have seven sacks on the season, though, so that is definitely something to watch out for, how our offensive line handles that. They've got two sacks each from uh, linebacker Mark Hale Benton and a defensive end Jalen Swain, and then a couple other guys have one and a half each or something like that. Uh, and the other thing that I noticed, ESPN, the website, says they have five fumble recoveries, but also on that same page, no one is credited with any fumble recoveries on their team. So I don't know if that's a misprint or something, but um, they also have no forced fumbles. So I'm not sure what's what's happening there. But it's, I think it's they are... To, huh? I was just going to... It's hard to trust anything online in terms of uh, FCS because a lot of them yeah, just... Agreed. like A lot of the stats companies don't 
cover them. And so it's like all, a lot of ESPN's play by play stuff. Yeah. Like this, even our game this weekend, I'm, there's things like the stuff that I use for play by play isn't going to have any information, which is annoying. right. Okay. Yeah. So there you go with that. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I think they're a talented team. They went five and six last year, but they did beat Florida State, uh, which is for what that's worth. Uh, but this year, already off to a 3 0 start, like I mentioned, destroying everybody. Um, yeah, pretty wild. I am more nervous about this game than I was before I started looking into it. Still, obviously, it's got to be a game we win. We cannot go, we cannot be one and two going into Ole Miss. That is a recipe for disaster. So, have to win it. Weird to ever say a game is a must win, but like it's an FCS team, guys. You got it. This is basically a must win. You got it. You got to pull this off. If we're one and two going into Ole Miss, followed by Cincinnati as the home conference opener. Tough stretch right there. So we got we to gotta get this win one way or the other. And I think we will. Don't, don't get me wrong. I do think we'll win the game. But I am by no means uh, thinking that we are going to run away with it. So looking at some of the sports, uh, the other sports that Tulsa played this last week, you had men's soccer had a um, game against Kentucky. Women's soccer played Oklahoma as well as Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, and then women's volleyball was down at ORU for the Golden Eagle Classic. So starting off with the volleyball, I don't think there's technically like a winner for these tournaments, but if there was, Tulsa would have been it because they ended up sweeping uh, the three matches that they played. First with a 3-0 win over UTEP, um, followed by a 3-1 win over Oral Roberts, always a good win, and then a 3-1 win over Abilene Christian. So... Uh, really solid week, puts their record at 5-4, and four. and then I think they're traveling next week down to Waco for the Baylor Invitational to play Baylor, McNeese State, and Sam Houston before starting off conference play uh, later this month. In addition to, the, to that win, they also had um, a defender. Let me pull that up real quick. Yeah, so Libero Marta Piccoli, uh was named the defender, de- American Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, moving on to women's soccer. Women's soccer had another up and down week. Uh, they went one and one. They started with a hosting University of Oklahoma on Thursday, last Thursday night. Uh, ended up losing that one, one zero. I was at that game. It was frustrating in part because I feel like A, the fouls were a little one-sided, or at least maybe that's my Tulsa bias but it just seems like any ticky-tacky call that Tulsa made was going to get a yellow card, and then it took forever for Oklahoma to get any sort of discipline. And they were, like, taking out the goalkeeper. They were, like, playing pretty aggressively. So I really think we had a chance to win this one. I think we had really good possession, especially after, you know, like three-quarters of the way through the first half and then all through the second half. Tulsa kind of dominated and had the ball in. Um, Oklahoma's defensive end, but just couldn't punch it um, and spent a little bit too much time going side to side instead of pushing up. And so that kind of killed us in the end. But then they answered with this past Sunday, um, a 7-0 win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. And so, I mean, you had three goals in the first half, four in the second. So they moved their record back up um, to 4-3-1 on the season. And then finally, men's soccer, uh, who are ranked number 12. Now, I, I just noted or just saw, took on number three, Kentucky. And Kentucky, I 
don't know. I think they're in the Sun Belt potentially. Um, but they hosted them on Sunday and held them to a 1-1 tie, which is big, uh, especially like playing a top-ranked team and to not take a loss out of it. Like that's a huge result and I think a lot of momentum for Tulsa who, you know, since that Wisconsin game never happened, is looking super solid early on this season. Hello from the future. I am back again. Uh, I had to leave uh, early, so Matt did the follow-up section on men's and women's soccer and women's volleyball right there. Appreciate it, Matt. Uh, So this is me from the next day getting ready to put this thing out and edit it. Yeah, so I just have a couple other things to, to finish up on before we wrap it up. Okay, one more note uh, just before we head off here. Um, wanted to make a note of Tyler Smith and Zayvon Collins' NFL season got off to a start, uh, but not a great start for our guys here. Tyler Smith's Cowboys, Zayvon Collins' Cardinals did not have good opening weeks. Cowboys lost 19-3 to uh, to the Bucks, and Dak left injured. So, bummer start for Tyler Smith. Um, the Cardinals lost 44-21, to and uh, Pat Mahomes just kind of tore through that, that defense like there was nobody there. Um, I didn't actually watch either of these games, couldn't. I was traveling all day Sunday, so not sure if our guys particularly looked not great in those big losses or if it was more just big team losses, but did you get to watch either of those? Hey, on, on Sunday night, they talked a lot about Tyler Smith, um, and they're like, oh, it's a, new, it's a new, and then like after the first drive, they're like, yeah, we didn't talk about Tyler Smith at all, which, you know, take that <laughs> yeah, as a okay, good sign. Nice. Like, he didn't do he, – he had yeah. a solid start, and then – but they did bring him up again later, and it's just the Cowboys have nothing. They don't have wide receivers. Now they don't have Dak. Their offensive line is just like getting decimated. So it's it's a bad. It's not a great situation for him right now, yeah. which is weird because going in, it Dallas was a great spot for him because he could sit on the bench and like learn from some of the best offensive linemen. But you know, their best yeah. guy got hurt right before, which is why he's starting. So. Yeah, no, he, he didn't look like he had a bad game. It's just nobody on Dallas <laughs> yeah. had a very good game. Yeah, bummer. And, and I will note that uh, uh, former Tulsa player who transferred before he went to the NFL, Caleb Evans, hey, he his Vikings uh, beat up on the Packers, twenty three to seven. It sounded like he was play, getting actually some playing time in that game, which is cool. Um, so yeah, wanted a uh, half shout out to a Caleb Evans. Definitely appreciated his time at TU. Bummer that he transferred to Mizzou, but cool that he's doing pretty well in the NFL. Okay, and we will wrap it up right there. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Make sure, if you're not already, make sure you're following the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Drop us a rating and a review while you're over there. Really do appreciate that. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Overcast and all that stuff. So anywhere you listen, you can leave a review, leave a comment, all that stuff. Um, If you want to support us, several different ways to do that. Uh, The main way to find all of those other ways is to go to our website, and that is thegoldenhurricast.com. And you can go straight to thegoldenhurricast.com slash support to find all those those ways. And finally, uh, you can find us on Twitter at GoldenHurricast. And you can send us an email if you want to at thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week.